She saw him leave that morning, but he didn't come back that afternoon. He didn't show up that night. Nobody heard from him. The teen's body was found in a rolled up gym mat in a high school in 2013. His death ruled accidental. Say my name and remember what you've done. Your hurricane has blackened out the sun. You can't continue to kill unarmed black people and get away with it. But if Kendrick did die of an accident, how, with all that distrust, how could you even ever show that? But then on the flip side is they didn't treat it like it, it could have been a homicide. Lowndes County Sheriff Ashley Polk announced officials were reopening the investigation. Only angle is to find justice for my son. You are currently listening to season three of Ashes to Ash TV, the investigation of Kendrick Johnson, episode 17, Scam Artist. There has been a lot of evidence that has come out over the last couple of weeks, so I really want to thank everybody for their patience. Please always remember this is an ongoing investigative series that I'm looking into in real time. So I don't always know what direction I'll be heading in or where the evidence will take me. So as I started to really uncover the evidence about the Bell brothers and looking into their alibis and finding out how airtight they were, I really wanted to go talk to the Johnsons and sit down with them and give them the evidence that we've uncovered because I really wanted to get their thoughts on it. I wanted to see if they had seen the evidence before, if they had any counterpoints, if any of the information I have they thought was incorrect and why they believed that. So that's one thing that's always really important to any investigation I do, is to really get all sides of it and to find out where we might have holes in our own investigation. As I've mentioned in the past, Jackie and I are not allowed to talk openly about this case because she is under contract with the film Finding Kendrick Johnson, and she can't participate in any long-form documentaries until January of 2023. So although we did get her blessing before we started this case, I was never able to kind of go back and forth and talk with her about it. So as I kind of started to uncover more and more evidence that to me proves the Bell brothers were not involved in KJ's death, I had gotten a call from Lydia, Jackie's sister, and she seemed rather concerned. Unfortunately, I was not able to get video of this phone conversation because everything happened so fast. So all I was really able to do was hit record on my audio to make sure that we had captured this part of the journey. So here is some of that audio from our conversation. Hey, Lydia. Hey. Normally when I do these cases, I work much closer with the family. Obviously with you, I've had that relationship, but I haven't had that with Jackie and Kenneth. Usually I would go back to the family and show them everything we've uncovered and ask what their thoughts are, but I never really had that luxury with you guys. I mean, I think if you watch the series, the truth of the matter is we're uncovering pretty significant evidence that shows it wasn't the Bell brothers. I'm not saying KJ wasn't murdered, but from what we've uncovered, it's pretty significant in that way. This isn't one-sided. I'm hearing... And when I say sided, that's almost a stupid way to look at it. The only thing I'm trying to figure out is what happened to KJ. Rightfully so, I'm never going to hide my findings. It's just normally I would have gone to Jackie and Kenneth. It feels insincere. Like every other case I've gone to the mom or mom and dad, depending, or the family, and I've shown them everything we've uncovered. And I've asked them like, what are their thoughts? Why would this not be true? Why is it true? But I've not been able to do that with you guys. And that's okay. It didn't impact the investigation because they couldn't talk to me under contract. I can't build that relationship with Jackie and Kenneth, which I hate because I would have rather been sitting next to them delivering this information rather than delivering over a video 
series. To me, this isn't uh, white versus black issue, even though I believe the, the racism is real, so don't get me wrong there, but to me, I don't look at it like that. To me, I want to figure out what happened to KJ. My care and desire to figure this out for you guys is 100% intact and there. But yeah, I mean, what we are uncovering is that I don't think the Bells could have been involved. And I follow the evidence. I'm not trying to disrupt anybody's belief systems. But like, I would have normally brought that information to you guys, you know? So. All right. Well, yeah. So I'm, uh, I'm going to go on back to work. Okay. And yeah. Okay. All right. Thanks, Lydia. After speaking with Lydia, I really got the feeling that they had felt like I had come forward with nefarious intentions. Like the reason I talked to them initially, I had flip-flopped on. But when I went to talk to them initially, I only ever said I was going to try to find out what the truth was that happened to KJ. And that's truth backed up by evidence. I never told anyone that I was going to follow what somebody else believed or a specific narrative. When we investigate, we do it openly and we go where the evidence leads us. But one thing all of a sudden that became really important to me is I wanted to be able to give the Johnsons a moment to decide if they wanted me to come and actually showcase the evidence to them. I was aware that they might not ever be able to respond to me because they were under contract, but I just sent an email anyways to at least reach out an Olive Branch. So if they wanted me to come and talk to them off the record about the evidence I had uncovered, that I was more than willing to do that. Really, I wanted to do this so they could be kept abreast of what we were doing on the show. I hate when families are surprised by the content we were putting out. And I also wanted to give them a chance to respond to it because if they felt that any of our information was inaccurate, I would have been happy to take that into consideration. So here's what I wrote. I spoke with Lydia the other day and she seemed a bit disheartened because of the direction our investigation is leading in. I normally work closely with the family, but as we both know, I was unable to do that with you guys because of the Finding KJ documentary contract. I just wanted to apologize that we are not finding conclusive evidence that the Bell brothers were involved. As a matter of fact, there is substantial amount of evidence showing that they were not involved. I just cannot ignore the substantial evidence I have seen that clearly shows the Bells were nowhere near KJ when KJ was last seen on camera. The one piece I have not gotten yet that I am still hoping to review is the surveillance tapes. I'm not saying he was not murdered, but I cannot support the Bells were involved. I'm going to be showcasing this evidence on the show. I'm sure this will end our communication entirely. I wish this was not the case, but from Lydia's disheartened reaction, I think it is probably clear that my presence will no longer be welcome. If this is not the case, please let me know and I'm happy to go over our investigation details with you and we could do this off the record, of course. And then I have blacked out a person's name here. This person's name is not important to this investigation. It's just, I know that the Johnsons know who this person is. So I blacked out their name to protect their anonymity. But just so you know, Jackie was well aware of who this person's name is that I blacked out. Blank, after Kenyatta's interview, spoke with me over the phone and gave me some additional contacts. I reached out to all of them, but all their information continued to be consistent with nothing nefarious happening. One, Harrington Funeral Home contact even said he believed it was an accident. Anyways, I just wanted to say I'm sorry. I'll continue to speak of you and your family in a respectful light, but I just wanted to say that when I originally came to you, I thought we'd uncover that this was a murder, but after hundreds of hours of research, interviews, and investigations, I'm no longer sure of this. I'm sure I'll be one more person in the long list that has disappointed you, and I hate that. I truly came thinking I could help, but instead, we now stand on differing opinions about this case. I wish you peace, and I'm so sorry that there might never be justice from your stance. 
I truly wish you and your family the best. Ash. A few days later, Dana Banks walks in for her interview. Hi. Hi, dear. Okay, so are you ready to start? I'm all set. Okay, perfect. <laughs> so yeah, it should just feel like me and you are having a conversation. Oh, yeah, I know absolutely. it's weird since I'm sitting over here with headphones on. <laughs> Welcome to my world. Can you tell me how initially you came to even be communicating with the Johnson family? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Sure. My husband, his great-grandfather, they had grew up, the maternal side of the family, maternal mom side was in Savannah, Valdosta, Claxton, that whole entire area. Okay. And so I always remember his mom speaking about an event that happened in Valdosta. What happened was a group of white men had ran his uh, great-grandpa over and the coat jacket was found in the grill of the car. Oh my God. But I remember um, just listening to the story and it just really stuck with me because I was familiar with Mary Turner. Mark Patrick George, the coordinator of the Mary Turner Project, as well as Thomas Ayeo from Valdosta State University explained to me. There was a 19 year old person who didn't grow up enslaved and probably like a lot of, of us when we were 19, we were invincible or we just wouldn't tolerate certain things. His name was Sidney Johnson. He was bailed out of jail and then had to work off that bail money with a guy named Hampton Smith in Brooks County who abused him, refused to pay him, <clears throat> and Sidney Johnson killed him. Shot him and killed him. And in retribution for that, Brooks County went on a lynching rampage. And so he went on the run and then the argument was that there was a coup attempt to kill this white farmer that implicated all these other players, including Hayes Turner and Mary Turner, Will Head and some other people. And there was just a killing rampage, uh, which was pretty common, where if you were black, you were a target. And it went on for about a week. Sidney Johnson was caught in Valdosta and killed uh, on South Lee Street and then drug to Morven, which is probably 17 miles away behind a car, taken to a church called Campground Church. You can visit yourself and burn. They lynched another person at that church as well. That church still meets killing at least eight people, probably as many as 13. One of them, most famously, was a woman named Mary Turner. And that part of the case got the most attention because that was more rare. While thousands of black men were lynched across the South in between the 1880s and the 1930s, the lynching of women happened. It was at least semi-regular, but it, but it was rarer to be sure. And Mary Turner's story got put in the national media because of an investigation by Walter White and the NAACP in which he kind of told everyone that Mary Turner was uh, eight months pregnant when she was lynched, that instead of being hung by the neck, as most people who were lynched were, that she was hung upside down by her feet, that she was set on fire until her clothes were burned off. Then the mob took a hunting knife, cut open her abdomen, pulled out the fetus, stomped it into oblivion on the ground and while she was still alive. And then and finally all took turns shooting her until she was dead. Dana Banks continues. It's very familiar with Valdosta and the dark history that it has in reference to racism. When I heard about the Kendrick Johnson case, it stuck with me. Not that this is important, because I don't think this plays into it, but mm -hmm. your husband is black. Now we have a group of white men hurting the grandfather on that. 
I just care deeply about people in general, but this really hurt my heart because the, to, to hear the story and to just to sense the pain and just to know that these group of white men got away with this. And even the coat jacket was found in the grill of the car. And so it was brushed under the rug, presumably because he was a black man, but just the pain. And then of course, with the, the Kendrick Johnson case in the same town, I was just really always just very aware of the case. And about two years ago, two and a half years ago, I had originally reached out on one of the forums, the groups on Facebook, and just expressing my interest in bringing it to DC, but no one responded. And then last January, I had a very strong feeling and uh, woke up one Sunday and reached out and I received a response from a gentleman named Jonathan Burrs. And he is from the Maryland, D.C. metropolitan area, and he expressed interest in assisting me. He was very responsive. So I was able to find additional information on this on a website called realjusticenow.org. So I got to this website because I found it at the bottom of the rally flyer, as you can see here. And when I first pulled up the website, it's so out of date, I thought that there was actually a mistake. So I even went back and retyped in the website just to make sure I had the right website. But it looks like something that was created in the 90s. I found this woman on the site that's quoted quite a few times as far as Kendrick Johnson goes, and that's a woman named Dana Banks. She also seems to be the person responsible for the rally in Washington. The most recent claims by Lowndes County Sheriff Ashley Polk that he was 100% certain Kendrick Johnson's death was the result of a freak accident is inconsistent with the physical evidence. Such claims highlight the need for a federal RICO investigation. Dana Banks, the organizer of the DC Capitol rally says, no way, this was no accident. So one thing I wanted to do is find out who Dana Banks was and I was quickly able to find her on social media. And I found this video where she's actually talking about the rally. I'm so honored so, so honored to be a part of something bigger, bigger, bigger than this world. As we rally together for Kendrick's truth. So one of the reasons I really wanted to watch this because I wanted to see what the rally was all about. What are they hoping to accomplish? What are the goals of the rally? So I thought the woman who headed up the rally might be able to fill in some of that information. The day is going to be epic. We have Triana, Arnold, James. Triana is going to speak at the rally and she is going to present the Kendrick resolution. You guys do not want to miss this. Triana was instrumental in getting the Ahmad Arbery Day passed. Thank you, Triana. And so she has been working hard, 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 just like she always does behind the scenes to ensure that Kendrick is honored. It's been nine years since Kendrick was murdered. And I also just want to point out, I would actually be at the rally today, but I have COVID and I'm continuing to test positive. So I feel like I'm going to have to be homebound for a few more days. That's why I am here and the rally is going on in Washington today. We are getting justice. Justice will indeed be served. And I could not be more than honored, more than honored that the Lord, the Lord chose me to fulfill this beautiful, beautiful, much needed mission. Something just wasn't sitting right with me about this rally. I was actually kind of happy I was stuck home with COVID and couldn't go to the rally because as I watched Dana Banks video more and more, I just got the feeling that something wasn't right. 
So really quick, I ask, I am in desperate, desperate need of some last minute donations so we can take care of some, some balances that we have for the rally. So if you could just please, you know, donate a dollar, $5, whatever it is, folks. Otherwise, I just ask for your prayers. Prayers are most powerful. On behalf of the, uh, the Johnson family, Jackie Johnson, who just wants you guys to know that she really, truly appreciates everyone's help. And you know I do. You know I do. It's almost here. It's almost here. Rally day is almost here. So just stay tuned for updates. And again, please try and, and donate. Thank you so much. I love you guys. Thank you and abundant blessings to all and enjoy the remainder of the weekend. Thank you for your support. Okay. Take care guys. Love ya. So one thing to keep in mind here is I don't have an open communication with Jackie. So I couldn't just call her up and ask her how the rally went. So as soon as it ended, I hit social media to kind of see what people's experiences were or what photos and video had been posted of the rally itself. And this was the first thing that popped up. I saw this post come up on Jackie Johnson's account. Please know I don't have to lie. Dana is a scammer and she used Kendrick name for clout. Not one thing she promised she did. And yes, I will be filing a police report. She even gave me a fake confirmation number where she had paid for the hotel rooms off her card. And they immediately took 800 plus dollars. All lies. And then after the messed up rally, turned her phone completely off, shaking my head. The sad part is she had us come to Washington, standing, sitting in a muddy areas, talking on a blowhorn. It was totally a mess. So Jolly was off on a few things, but majorly was the absolute truth. I always try to stay open to new evidence and information because when I start these cases, I want to come in with a really open and clear mind. That way I can genuinely follow the evidence and take whatever direction that pulls me in. This is one instance, probably like a lot of you when I read Jackie's post here, that I really felt sorry for the Johnsons. I felt that they had been scammed a numerous amount of times or that their son's name had been used in the name of profit and they called people out on it. So when I saw this post, I was really disheartened. What I found here though is quite the contrary. The people I had aligned myself with in the beginning were not being fair and truthful. And so once again, I stand here with my eyes being torn wide open in shock at what we've uncovered. I'm sitting down with Dana Banks who headed up the KJ rally in Washington. I received a response from a gentleman named Jonathan Burrs and he is from the Maryland DC metropolitan area and he expressed interest in assisting me. He was very responsive and he had said that Jackie was active in the group. And so of course, you know, we would need to get her permission, obviously. Shortly thereafter, I believe Jackie had reached out on my messenger in reference to the rally. That's when uh, the initial planning had began. So it happened pretty quickly. And what was your goal with the rally? I mean, the case is just you know, dragged on for nine years. And my main goal was to bring a, a honorable closure. And, and with closure, I wanna stress that I didn't, you know, want the case to be forgotten about because it will never be forgotten about. I just thought that it was time to memorialize and, and bring proper closure, but most importantly, to advocate for change with investigations because the investigation was so botched from the very beginning 
until now. And there was you know, never any accountability. And I was very adamant from the very beginning that there needed to be accountability. I'm a firm believer in, in God Almighty, and you know, unless there's a confession, you know, what, what do we have? We can, you know, beat this, you know, all day long, but unless there's a confession, what do we have? And now there's, you know, so many conspiracy theories that it's really taken away from the case itself in, in a really bad way because there's so much animosity. And now, you know, there's a lot of racial tension and I really wanted to bring the case to a proper closure. Again, not to forget, but to give it the proper closure so we can start doing the real, real work that needs to be done to ensure that this type of investigation does not occur again. Throughout this ever have an opinion on if it was accident or murder, or did you not really, it was more about just making sure that investigations moving forward had a better basis? I didn't get into that because there's so much controversy. It's really hard unless you just really dive into it really deep, which I truly don't, you know, I, I do a lot of volunteer work. I still have small children, I have grandchildren now, so it's really hard for me to kind of get into it as some folks do. I don't have a strong opinion one way or the other, but what my hope was is to advocate and to honor Kendrick in the way that he should be honored. Because again, it seems like there's so much is lost. So to, to give an opinion, it, you know, it's just gonna be my opinion on top of all the other opinions. You know, if I felt it was an accident or if it was murder, it doesn't change, you know, my position or, or the reason that I wanted to help. Leading up to the rally itself, did everything seem pretty normal or did you have any concerns even going in? Going into it, there were no reservations. I just wanted to go into it strong, do as much as I can. There's a heck of a lot to do when you plan a rally, that's for sure. Initially, there was a lot of folks that volunteered to help. So I was very encouraged from the very beginning, thinking, you know, I'm gonna have all of this help. I'll tell you, probably quarter of the way through, <laughs> it was all me and Jackie. I mean, Jackie poured herself into the rally. She really, truly did. So it was very exhausting. I poured my heart, every bit of it. When you first started the rally and once you and Jackie started working and it seemed like it was going, it oh, was yeah. a lot of work, but you guys were working together mm -hmm. and making Absolutely. things happen. Mm -hmm. So you there obviously had to get something from Washington saying you could be in that spot. I want to touch upon that. We are at the nation's capital and there was this insurrection that happened not too long ago. And so security is very tight. And to get a permit to be at the Capitol is a very arduous process. There were several interviews. I had to actually meet with their security team to be vetted. Um, there's a lot of different pieces that go into that. So it's not just, let me go ahead and fill out an application. So I want to stress that. I want to say this if I may. Um, I think the part of Jackie expressing that, you know, it was in a muddy field that hurt. The sad part is she had us come to Washington, standing, sitting in a muddy areas, talking on a blowhorn. It was totally a mess. Because I, I know what it took to get there. And I mean, there were chairs. It wasn't like, you know, this was something that was put together. It was done with every fiber of my being. And I say that, you know, to be mocked, it hurts. 
As I watched Dana go into the details of what happened at the rally, I was in shock and disbelief at the story she told. At first, I was extremely hesitant to even believe her, but I'm really big on evidence, and Dana came with all the evidence to prove what she was saying was true. This included a contract for the event and text messages between Dana and Jackie. I was really starting to wonder who was scamming who. And don't worry, I promise I'm gonna showcase this all to you. In the meantime, however, I had gotten an email back from Jackie. When I first saw it in my inbox, I was really excited because I wanted to go, even if it was off the record, and showcase the family what I had found. And I thought they would be really receptive to at least hearing it. They didn't have to believe what I had found, but I thought they would be receptive to hearing what I believed happened to their son. Wow, have I been naive here. Little did I know what was coming. Here was her response. We already knew you would get paid to lie on my son. We all know y'all work together. You are most definitely with the rest of the liars, despicable human being. May God allow the same pain for your family. I told them to watch you because I already saw your fake ass. So no, don't ever call me or contact my family again. And of course, Harrington would say that he helped allegedly got rid of my son's organs, but this you know, another line, fake news lady. Y'all deserve each other. Sell your lies to your mammy or whoever listen. You are not stopping nothing. Shame on you, devil lady. You used my family and got paid off his stories. Then when you got what you wanted, a payoff on my dead son, you switched sides. I could have talked with you, but for this reason, my husband and I chose not to, and I'm glad we did. And I don't need your stance because there will be justice and you will be another racist clown in the book. Y'all prove me right every time. Can't trust y'all, period. Ashes to Ash is created by Ash Patino, associate producer Kate Giordano, crew Nick Goncalves, title music Bones by Eight Graves, website design for Ashes to Ash TV, Second Melody, secondmelody.com. Subscribe to the website for commercial-free content, early access to episodes, uncut interviews, and discounted merchandise. Just go to ashes-tv.com, A-S-H-E-S-T-O-A-S-H-T-V.com. Please follow us on Facebook at Ashes to Ash True Crime and on YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter at Ashes to Ash TV. If you have a tip or information, please email us at ashland57 at gmail.com, A-S-H-L-A-N-D-5-7 at gmail.com. We can keep you anonymous. If you know of any illegal activity regarding this case, please contact your local law enforcement. 